You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live at the studio of Worldwide Sports Radio. All right, let's go. It, it, it's the third and long show. And here's your host, Maddie Cavs. And welcome everybody to a brand new show of Third and Long here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is a gorgeous, humid, hot day here on Long Island in Bohemia. You got myself, Mr. Matty Caps, along with my co-host and producer, Mr. Speedy Petey. Speedy, how are you today, pal? Well, I'm not Vinny Rubo. We'll say that. Oh, you're not Vinny. Yeah, and you know what? A lot we'll of go people, as far as that. A lot of people aren't Vinny Rubo, but... I, I do have a lot to say about the NBA draft lottery and to all the clueless Nick fans that are depressed and not happy that the Knicks didn't get the one. Like, how delusional can these Knicks fans be? I'm a Knicks fan. Well, I think but they had four only a fourteen percent chance of getting the well, that, number that's one. That's a pick. problem in itself, but that's a different issue that I've mentioned I would resolve by doing it by games rather than percentages. But that's a different issue. I, I, I mean, I, I, I sit here. I, I was reading all social media yesterday, and I couldn't believe what I was reading from all these people. Like, like just stop. Just stop. Well, it, again, Another it, thing that bothers me, too, is that Zion Williamson has never stepped foot on an NBA hard floor. He's never played in an NBA basketball game. So what makes, this, what makes you guys think that Zion Williamson – is going to have the same impact going up against grown adults than he did in the college game going up against kids. Oh, you can say that about any prospect. Yeah, but 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 this is my point. Like these guys, these Nick fans, the they're delusional, and the Zion lovers out there makes it even more well, sick because it just shows that you I, don't follow the game. Of I think basketball. it's just, I think it's just more for the Knicks fans that are just again annoyed about the, the just the luck aspect in general. Just well, all oh, the. Oh, oh, oh. You yeah. want you want to talk about the luck aspect? There is no luck aspect when you are a well, Nick fan. No, no, I'm not I'm fine. The unluck aspect, if I guess you want to say it, it just for a th- for something like the draft lottery that's supposed to be allegedly this random, for a team just not to land the number one pick with that many opportunities to, because they've been strugglesome so much. Like you look at the amount of times that other bad teams have gotten it. Obviously, Cleveland, uh, the Suns have gotten it. Like a lot of a lot of teams that end up getting it, and then just the Knicks can't do it. I think that's what more they're mad at. In addition to obviously fans that think Zion is just that much better than everyone else. Fine, and I like Zion too. But again, these other guys in the top four of these guys, his teammates, and obviously John Morant are very going to be very talented players too. So it's uh, not uh, it's not the worst kind of luck in the sense that a lot of fans are thinking. And that's why it makes me sick. Like we got the three C, we got the three pick. Okay, like it's really top three heavy. We're getting John Morant or R.J. Barrett. What's the problem there? What is the problem? Is it because it's not Zion Williamson, a guy who is six 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 and a half tops? 
I'm telling you he's not 6'7". I can't wait till the uh, NBA Combine comes out because he's not 6'7". He's 6'5 with without shoes. He's 6'6", 6'6 with shoes. I'm telling you this right now. He's not big. And for someone who is that size and 285 pounds is not going to be able to play 82 games in the NBA with the way he plays basketball, uh, the GMs and the coaches are going to make him lose 25, 30 pounds when he gets to the league so that he can stay and play 82 games. He's never played 82 games before in a full season in his entire life. Welcome to the NBA, okay? And it's just frustrating to me that I I, I have to deal with Nick fans all over social media that I am so upset. I can't believe it. I wanted Zion Williamson. These are the same fans that probably have never seen Zion Williamson play basketball because if you did, you would know Zion Williamson is not big and he can't shoot worth a damn. I actually think the opposite. I actually think... Zion Williamson, they did see play basketball. They haven't seen everyone else, and they just think everyone else is just so much worse than Zion Williamson. I think they believe that more. They believe Zion is the big thing, and that's it. It, 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 It's disgusting to me that I actually have to deal with this nonsense. But we have our first caller of the day. Who am I dealing with today? My heart is full today. (laughs) Very full. Right off the bat, huh? My heart is full. I, it, it warms my heart to know that New York wanted the, the Duke player New York wanted was Zion Williamson, and the Duke player New York got oh, was Daniel Jones. Really, Jeff? You're going to go there? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I want to be mean, not be reminded of that. We've I all mean, seen that meme before. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's so great to me that all the New York Knicks fans are crying. Give me 20 more years of New York Knicks misery. <laughs> 20 more years of Nick Misery. That is not I don't know. Nice, I think, Jeff. I don't know. I, I, unless the Knicks really go out there and reach, like, first, like maybe the second-best international prospect or something like that. I don't think it's screwed up the way the Giants did. Speedy, it's New York. With the third overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Shamari Pons. Oh, <laughs> imagine. Imagine. Imagine uh. that happens. I would lose my sh- – I would lose my absolute shit if they selected someone like that. All right. But keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I said this yesterday that I thought the Lakers were going to get the one, they got the four. I also said the Knicks were going to get the five, they got the three. But I also said if the Knicks got the fifth pick, welcome to New York, Bol Bol. I said the Knicks were going to take Bol Bol at the fifth pick just, just to screw it up because Bol Bol, with, the, with his value right now, is not worth a top five pick. So, I mean, I just think it's great that everything in New York today is awful. But, the whole mojo but, but, is just way but, off. But that, that's the whole thing. Like, I sit here, and, and Jeff, you and I spoke earlier. I look at all this nonsense about everything on social media, people crying and stuff about not getting Zion Williamson. This is the, these are the same people that have never seen Zion Williamson actually play basketball. These are the same people that just go by the ESPN reporting and all this stuff about how he's a freak of an a freak of an athlete. He's a freak of nature. That's about it. His game. I'm sorry to everybody out there. His actual game of basketball does not translate well to the NBA. Okay. I mean, Right now. Right now. Yes, right now. Let's be honest, though, Matt. The only reason I really called you earlier is so you could do a wellness check on Vinny Rubo. Well, 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 like I told you yesterday, Vinny and I were speaking last night. Um, 
th- throughout the entire process. And the first thing he said, I started, I sent him a text, LMAO to him as soon as uh, the Knicks got the three seed and uh, three pick. And then the Pelicans got the first pick and he comes back at me. The freaking Pelicans. That's what he said to me. I couldn't believe that the Pelicans got the well, here, here's number the, here's one the pick solid. at 6%. 6% they get the number one pick. How does that well, even here, happen? It, I, here's like the question I have for you and for Speedy. Maybe Speedy has a stat on this or something, right? Okay. But is this the curse of Vinny Rubo? Oh, absolutely. Vinny, <laughs> Vinny's the much. No, yeah. Speedy <laughs> actually, that's, Speedy didn't even say hi to me today. First thing, he's like, the Vinny Rubo mush continues. That's yep. what he says to me all as because, soon as I walked in the door. All because his simulation had them getting the number one pick. If his simulation had them getting number three, maybe it could have been different. We don't know. And he's a Jets fan. The sky is falling there as well. Does everything uh, trust like me. just go into I, the shitter? I'm, I'm going I'm to get into the Jets in a little bit. Okay, because I'm, I'm reading some stuff uh, uh, that's really just aggravating me that, oh, we want a McCagnan gone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're, they're ignorant. Hey, every Jet fan that wanted him gone is ignorant because now you have a guy who has no reason being the GM, be your GM, let alone he has no reason being the coach of the New York Jets, is your coach of the New York Jets, and he's the general manager. So get the hell out of there with this. But this I is need, about I Zion need. Williamson and the New York Knicks, and every Knicks fan that's upset about getting the number three pick, this is a three-person draft heavy, okay, between John Morant, uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Every single, we have the third pick. We're getting one of the three as a Knicks fan. And I'm going to be honest with you, I want John Morant really bad. But if Kyrie Irving comes, I don't want John Morant. But I'm going to tell you this right now, we need a shooting guard badly. And R.J. Barrett fits right into the slot to go be the shooting guard right off the bat for the New York Knicks. Right or wrong? No, he would be, he would be a great pick, but, you know. I mean, New Yorkers have just had their heart set on Zion. And, 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 and it's sickening. It's sickening. 14%. 86% chance we weren't getting the number one, number one pick. 86%. And we have guys that actually thought we were going to get the number one pick. With the New York Knicks, nothing is going to change with the New York Knicks as long as James Dolan is in charge. Nothing is going to change as long as he's in charge. Nothing's I hate to break it. change as long as Vinny Rubo's a fan. Uh, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. Any team Vinny picks next football season, I am putting $1,000 on the opposite. Anything, especially when I he bets about Boston sports. Next year. What? I heard he's all in on the Giants next year. Oh, he's all in on the Giants, a team that's not even going to win four games? Good. Smart. <laughs> Smart man. I, I, I mean, uh, that makes sense, I guess, right? I mean, it's... it's just, I mean, it's just great. Everything he touches turns to crap. It, it's... I, I, and you want to know what makes me even happier? Here's what makes me even happier. The other one I hate, right? Dude, Errol Marks must be having a heart attack today. Actually, in Errol's defense, Errol did call me yesterday because remember how I've been saying for the past week and a half that the L.A. Lakers were going to get the number one pick and all this stuff. And I'll be honest with you, once they fell in that top four, I'm like, I'm going to laugh at every single person that told me I was high when the Lakers get the number one pick. That Yeah, they got the four. Errol Marks called me after, and he said, you have to be happy. I'm like, yeah, listen, we have the number three pick. We're going to get R.J. Barrett or John Moran. He's like, that's exactly it. And he told me a story how he was going to throw his phone at the TV, and, and he was cursing before anything when the Lakers fell into the top four. He's like, this mf 
is going to get going to call the Lakers getting the number one pick, and I'm going to flip out. And I just started dying laughing at Errol. Errol actually wasn't too wasn't as upset as I thought he was. No, going because to be. Errol likes the other prospects too. He likes Zion yeah. a lot, but he's not like Vinny, where he's like the only prospect Vinny, that he likes. Yeah, v- v- yeah, v- v- Vinny Rubo likes just Zion Williamson. He doesn't know anybody else. He doesn't see anybody else. He thinks R.J. Barrett stinks. R.J. Barrett's game is going to translate better in the NBA than it's going to be in college basketball. I'm going to tell you that right now. Same thing with Cam well, Reddish. Well, he's consistent with everything. I think Cam Reddish is a really good NBA fit. I, I, I think Cam Reddish is going to be a great NBA player. I agree. I agree with that. I, I see him like a lot of the top shooting guards in the league right now. I see him with that kind of skill set, the 3 and D kind of guy. I, and he has, he has good length too. I believe he has six foot. He's six foot seven as well. So I think no, he, he's bigger. I think he's like six eight close to for six a shooting. Nine. All right. Regardless, for a shooting guard, that's pretty no, big. Cam, Cam Reddish is a small forward. All right, but regardless, he'll he translates kind of like when you look at when you look at comparisons, he translates like a, a lot of the top shooting guards. Barrett again, the, the, he has, he does a lot of things well. The question is consistency and avoiding the turnovers will be big for him because he but was very turnover he's not prone be in able, He's not going to have to handle the ball every which way. In, in 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 the NBA, he's actually going to have guys that could play with him in the NBA. Well, sure, yeah. At Duke, he really didn't have anybody. And I'm sorry, any Duke fan out there listening that actually thought Trey Jones was uh, <laughs> a, a a good point guard uh, as a freshman, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, he was able to play some defense, and he was, and he never turned the ball over. But he couldn't do anything worth a crap with the basketball. He couldn't get guys open. That's why R.J. Barrett had the ball in his hands a lot because he was the only one on that Duke team that could create. For other people, and that was the problem. Right. My only downside well, uh, with Barrett is he was inefficient and turnover prone, though at times too, though. That yeah, but when you're having the ball in in the majority of your hands for 38 of the 40 minutes, that's going to happen. No, as I an, know. As an 18 year old, no, he's freshman. still no, he's still a talented player. Yeah, I'm not he's denying very that's... talented, and and, and that's I mean, but, the thing. Uh, but are the Knicks the new Cavaliers? No, 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 no. No, the Cavaliers no. are lucky. <laughs> no, 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 no. They get the number one pick. They just screw it up by taking Anthony Bennett. <laughs> Who is I mean, Zion Williamson's twin brother? Because that's oh, who. Yeah, okay. that, that's who Zion Williamson is going to be. Right. Well, Anthony what's Bennett. The, what's the proper comparison to them? Are they the new Charlotte Bobcats? Sure. No, no. The, the New York Knicks are in a staple of their own. There's nobody that compares to the New York Knicks, or New York Knicks don't compare to anybody because the New York Knicks are the worst franchise in the NBA, let alone probably almost in all the sports. I the the garbage from Queens are right up there. The New York Giants are moving their way up there. But right now, the, the New York Knicks are the worst franchise in all of sports. And that's not even debatable. It's not even a question. You can't name me a worse franchise than the New York Knicks in all of sports. You can't. Well, until this year, Cleveland. Uh, like the Browns. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Fair enough with that. Fair enough with that. But you know what I'm Listen, saying. they're trending in the right direction, but you can't sit there and honestly tell me the Cleveland Browns have had a good run the last no, don't. Sure. Uh, since 90, 1999, they have been yeah, the new, one, of one, one of the worst. The new yes. Cleveland Browns. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I, fair <laughs> enough with that. But but back to Zion Williamson right now. Jeff, with, with the NBA draft lottery happening, and I know you and I were talking about it yesterday, what did you think about the NBA draft lottery and where these teams fell? I mean, you look at the Hawks. The Hawks were supposed to be in the top four. They fell out, but they have the number eight and number 10 pick now, which is I think is very beneficial to them because I think that's going to help them out tremendously. Um, but you look at these other teams like Memphis Grizzlies getting in there at a 6% chance as well, like the Pelicans at the number two. The Lakers going all the way from the 11 to the four. What do you think happens now going forward? With, all right, with you know, all this. you know I hate conspiracy theories, right? Of course. 
like I hate conspiracy. No, theories. I think you just hate Errol's conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give you one right now. Really, it's the only explanation, right? Like Anthony Davis wants out. Like he's not playing for New Orleans anymore. This seems like a makeup call because, and the NBA has done this for New Orleans before. You can go back and look at the Chris Paul trade that the NBA blocked. Right? Yeah. Like, it just seems like... New I don't Orleans think that was Adam Silver at the time, though. No, that was David Stern. That was David Stern, right? right? David it, Stern. It, it wasn't Adam Silver at the time. Right, but it just feels like, you know, it feels like the league is trying its very best to help a destitute franchise that can't seem to get on its feet, right? Like, you know, they're blocking trades to figure out different moves, with, you know, with the Chris Paul thing. And now Anthony Davis looks like he's on his way out of town, so they reward him with the number one pick. Well, well yeah, but I think, I think Anthony Davis could have been traded anyway. And and, they, and now this makes it more valuable, uh, makes it more easier for the Pelicans to trade Anthony Davis, especially to the L.A. Lakers, because imagine if the Pelicans get the number one and number four pick in this year's NBA draft. Right, but I think Anthony Davis could have been traded along, to the Lakers anyway. Along though. with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, because that's what it's going to cost. I mean, listen... For Anthony Davis, you're going to – if I'm the Lakers and they want Lonzo Ball and they want Brandon Ingram and they want the number Josh four pick, uh, I see, I don't know. I think that they're going to have to keep Josh Hart for, for that instance. That was the offer before. Just go and look at what the offer was before. Uh, I know, but, but Josh also – Hart, Lonzo Ball, Kyle But that, that was also this past year when he still had – in the middle of the season when he still had a year and a half on his contract. Now that it's a year out and Anthony Davis has reiterated after the NBA draft lottery that he still wants out of New Orleans, they're not going to get much more trade value right now the longer they wait. They're going to have to – I'm going to tell you this right now. If they don't want a circus in New Orleans, they're going to have to do it before media day. They're going to have to trade Anthony Davis before media day because I'm going to tell you this right yeah, now. Probably, probably, but does, that, does it not feel like – the NBA is doing their very best to help the Pelicans. Does it not? I, do a point. I don't know if they're helping the Pelicans as much as they're helping the Lakers. I think that they're helping the Lakers. Listen, the Speedy, you, you say it's helping the Lakers. If they were helping the Lakers whatsoever, they would have gave them the number one pick, and Zion Williamson no, would have been I, on purple agreed, and gold agreed. if they were helping the well, Lakers. Yes. They're not helping no, the Lakers. They're not helping the and Lakers like, like that, but they're helping the Lakers saying, all right, we're not going to completely rig it to make it look like we're helping the Lakers, but we're still going to help the Lakers, giving them an extra top four pick to help out their trade for – when they trade and Anthony they were, Davis for and Anthony And if they Davis. were trying to help the Lakers, they wouldn't have blocked the Chris Paul trade. Exactly. Like that it, was a different commissioner. It was. That's true. It was a different commissioner. But again, right, it, but I mean, and also the Lakers. Still the same thing. Right. But the Lakers are now again. It's a. It's a different time in that. In that part of it. That particular instance was not, was David Stern not trying to was, make a super right, team. There's a difference. Speedy, but let's not pretend it was all that all that different because. Okay, it was a different commissioner. He's the one guy that's different. Adam Silver was his number two. That's true. Yeah, fine, but I'm just saying. I think it was. It's a different time so and different circumstances. It's like a completely different scenario now. No, I didn't say it was completely different. I'm just saying it's a new version that... of the. It's a new version of the old regime. All he did was promote his number two. So it's basically a continuation of like the Stern era. Uh, maybe to a point. I understand. I understand what you're saying. They both had the same views and all that stuff. I, I, but again, it, it 
this had nothing to do with helping the Lakers whatsoever. Anybody that thinks it was, this was helping the Lakers, if it was, again, if it's, if this was helping the Lakers, the Lakers would have got the one pick. Zion Williamson would be in purple and gold playing next to LeBron James. This isn't helping the Lakers. This isn't helping the Knicks. This is helping the Pelicans stay somewhat relevant for some reason in the Western Conference where they're still not going to be relevant, even if they do pick Zion Williamson, which they will at number one, because you saw how excited they were in the back room, the entire back room the entire management staff were all in a room and they were jumping up and down like they just won the, a billion dollars from the lotto. Right. Okay, you, you it, and then if they're going to trade Anthony Davis, they're going to get the LA Lakers number four pick and they're going to get two more young guys from the Lakers. At least two more young guys from the Lakers. The Pelicans. I'm going to be honest with you. If they make the trade for Anthony Davis, which I think they need to make the trade before the media day happens, because they don't want a circus with all these young kids who have never been in this type of situation before. Okay, if they want, if they're going to trade new uh, Anthony Davis to the Lakers, they have to do it before then, and they will trade him to the Lakers. But keep this in mind too, though, because remember we were saying at, when the whole Anthony Davis trade rumor thing broke out, if the if you even said it too. The late if the Lakers don't do it now, they're going to lose a lot of value. Who says no, that? No, no, not the Lakers. You mean the Pelicans? If the Pelicans? No, no, no. You it. even said the Lakers. Like if the Lakers don't do it now and wait till till the off season, they're going to lose a lot of leverage too because all of a sudden now Boston could come in with all the draft picks that they first have of all, and stuff like that. First of all, if 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 Anthony Davis doesn't get traded this season. He could go wherever he wants for free. He's a free agent. No, I agent. get that, but we were even saying that the Lakers have to do it now. Like, this is the package they're going to do it, and the Pelicans are still oh, rejecting it. Like, the Lakers They gonna, haven't made a package yet, though. Right. No, but the, but the Lakers' initial package is going to lose a lot of leverage when other teams can now all of a sudden use those draft picks, and the Celtics, like we were saying, could use the prospects and the draft picks they have because they have a lot of youngsters, too. Who says because the league wants Anthony Davis and LeBron together that this isn't helping them now all of a sudden get a big leverage because you even said it like even though it isn't Zion Williamson it's still the top four heavy like this draft is still top heavy if the Lakers had the number 11 pick or 12 pick like they were supposed to that's not a leverage in comparison to one of those guards even if it's not Zion I, I, I disagree with everything I think that you I, said truthfully and I've said this all along and I know people laugh at me but I think the, the Knicks lucked out because I think Zion's going to be a bust. I think he's going to have a weight wow. issue. Wow. You're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the choir. You're talking to the wrong person. Unless Zion Williamson develops a jump shot, he's going to be nothing special in the NBA. I hate to break it to people. What people don't realize in the NBA or from the game, from the college game to the NBA game, is that it's one, it's completely different. Two, it's much faster. Three, Zion Williamson was a man amongst children at the college level because of his physicality and his athletic nature. Now Zion Williamson is going to go up against just as athletic guys that are bigger, faster, and, and strong. Not saying that he's going to be stronger than Zion, but strong. You're going to sit there and tell me Zion Williamson is going to be able to guard Paul George for 48 minutes? You're going to sit there and tell not right me now. Definitely not. No, he's not going to be able to guard anybody on the, on the perimeter right now. I'm sorry, he can't. No, no, definitely not. But he didn't even do it at Duke, and every time he did, well, he no, got taken to the have, basket. They had, all, they had all their players to guard the perimeter. He had to guard the interior. That team was not good on the inside. Regardless, I he's not going to be able to do it now. His game is, I think, more of a project than people think. But he's still, I think, he still will get there eventually. I don't listen. Think, I can't see I've him being said a complete this over bust. and over again. If Zion Williamson develops a jump shot, you will not hear a peep from me. 
Until then, I'm going to keep bashing him because, again, one, Zion Williamson doesn't have a jump shot. I hate to break it to everybody. It's called a set shot. That's what he has, a standstill set right. shot. He's got to work on the spacing aspect of he it. He doesn't shoot the ball from the free throw line right. very well whatsoever. That's, the, I think, the bigger problem right don't, now, actually. Don't forget about the weight issue. What do you think that kid's going to look like what when he you... has a pocket full of money and can go to Panda Express more often? <laughs> but, but, what do you, but, Jeff, this is what I said when you were on the phone. NBA GMs are going to make him lose 25, 30 pounds because of his weight. Right. He's not going to be able to play 82 games at 285 pounds with the way he plays. He's not going to be able to do that. But, but here's the other problem with that theory, though, Matt. He already lost 30 pounds to play at Duke. He can't get much smaller than he is. He was never 300 right, but pounds. Again, he was never 300 pounds. But Dude, again, he lost 30 pounds to play at Duke. Then, that, then he had to be 265 pounds at Duke then. Right, but that also... He wasn't 285 at Duke because he, he never reached 300 pounds. No, but if you go back and look at him in high school, he was even chunkier. He lost a bunch of weight to play at Duke. Maybe baby fat, maybe baby fat and he go. turned it into muscle. But I'm telling you this. In, co- in high school, he was never 300 pounds. He was never. I mean, he was pretty heavy. Um, I, again, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. He probably had baby fat, and he probably lost it once he got to Duke, and it turned in more into muscle. But, again, he was never 300 pounds when he was in high school. I can tell but you but that. But how much more weight do you think he can lose? Honestly, if, if, if he has the right... Uh, NBA trainers and stuff, and the right coaching and the right meal plans, and his own commitment too. Yeah, obviously. well, that obviously that's the biggest thing. And that's he, a while. He's got to want to put it, right. put in the work, but he could easily go lose 25, 30 pounds and just add uh, strength to him, more strength than he already has. Right. But he's going to have to lose 25, 30 pounds because his knees and legs aren't going to be able to play at this level for years if he's going to stay right. at two hundred and eighty five pounds with the way he plays. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt with the way he plays. He's too well, you bouncy. Already saw it, right? He busted yeah. through a shoe and already hurt his knee. Jeff, shh. People don't want to hear that he's been hurt. People bring up injuries all the time. They don't want to hear that Zion Williamson has been hurt already. It's not that big of a deal to people. But when it happens to someone else or whatever, oh, he's, he's gotten injured already. Blah, blah, blah. Shh, Jeff, you're, hurt. you're hurting Snowflake's feelings right now. You're hurting everybody's I, feelings. I mean, I don't really care. All I need is one of those handy-dandy, speedy-peedy spreadsheets on how wrong Vinny Rubo is all the time. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll tweet that along with the Ty Lawson. Is Ty Lawson in this draft, Speedy? Maybe his son is at this point. <laughs> I will never, I will never again mention to you Ty Lawson ever again. If you put together a Vinny Rubo, oh the uh, <laughs> the entire montage of uh, things he's jinxed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Someone so, should do a wellness check. Has he just walked into the ocean by now. So Jeff, let, let me ask you this. <laughs> With the, with the number one picks, you, you obviously know the Pelicans are going Zion Williamson. With the number two pick with the Memphis Grizzlies, where do you see them going? Because you and I spoke earlier about Michael Conley Jr. and just signing his extension and stuff with, with the Grizzlies and whatnot. Do you think they go John Morant or R.J. Barrett at the number two pick? I mean, when we talked earlier, this, this is just always my feeling on this. Mm-hmm. That, that you, I mean, you can't pass on John Morant. Can you pass on John Morant? No, I, I wouldn't be able to. I'll tell I you this, though. The Grizzlies' it. draft which, history is very weird, though, so you never know. Which just means to me that you need to trade Mike Conley. Yes, but again, that contract is way too big, and right. but, and you and I have spoke about it. There might be teams out there that want to take on that contract, but again, it's going to be extremely tough to get that to take that contract. Yeah, it'll be tough, but I don't know how you pass on Ja Morant, but I also oh, I don't agree. know how that backcourt no, works with Ja and, and Mike Conley both there. 
Well, Conley is also a guy that's very injury-prone, too. So Morant, if, if Conley gets hurt, could just step in very easily. And Mur- I think at this point with the Grizzlies, just the way they are, they just have to play it at out because it's not like they have a shooting guard of any kind that's going to really rival them. They're a big guy-oriented team right now, the way they're structured, always have been, and kind of even their younger guys that they have right now are still like that. They drafted Jaron Jackson last year as a power forward. Obviously, they... Um, Who's the other guy that they have? Jermichael Green is a power forward. Like, a lot of these guys are still on that end, and Conley's really the only one left of that, like, grit and grind mentality. But Mike Conley so has I, I don't two think years they have a left. choice right now to just take him even with Conley there still. Yeah. He's owed $66 million in the next two years, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2021. Sure, he might get annoyed, but at this point, they have to change for the better anyway. They're not, seasons, they're not a great overall team where they have a choice, really. It's not like they have a shooting guard that is that good that has to play. Listen, you look. You, you, if you're asking me if I'm the GM of the Memphis Grizzlies right now, I am taking John Morant at the number two pick. Now, do I hope John Morant falls to the New York Knicks at number yeah. three? Of course. I actually think it's possible based on a wacky draft history that the but, Grizzlies have But it's have not had. even that. If, if they still have faith in Michael Conley Jr., then they're going to pick R.J. Barrett to play the shooting guard for them right off the bat to team with Mike Conley Jr. In the right, back but I don't court. think it's going to make any instant impact anyway. <laughs> no, I, but again, it could. John Morant's more of an instant impact player at this point, too. But again, even for the team's sake, they're still pretty far behind. Yeah, it, Listen, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that I can say that R.J. Barrett isn't an instant impact player either, though, right? Because No, he is, too. Year, no, he is. But, right, but coming into this year, R.J. Barrett was the number one rated prospect. Absolutely. Agreed. I'm everybody. just saying Morant, I absolutely. think, is a little more. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying Barrett isn't. Barrett absolutely is, too. Absolutely. Right. So, but, I mean, if you're looking for the instant impact, I'm not so sure that R.J. Barrett won't have as much, if not a bigger instant impact than John Morant would. I think I I think R.J. Barrett and John Morant are going to have the biggest impacts in college, in in the NBA, along with Speedy's favorite DeAndre Hunter. Oh, I think gosh. those three guys are going to have the biggest impact oh, in in the NBA this upcoming season. Don't sleep on Cam Reddish though, just because as Agreed. a shooter in a shooter's league, Cam and listen, Reddish could come in. And Cam Reddish is a very good well. NBA. Cam fans. Reddish was my fourth guy, and Jared Culver was my fifth guy. Those are my top five guys who I think are going to have the biggest impact in the NBA this season. And that's the truth. And I pray to God, the Knicks, if John Moran falls to them, they take him in a heartbeat. But yes. if they take R.J. Barrett, I would be very happy with that as well. There's nobody else I want for the Knicks besides those guys. If the New York Knicks decide to go out and draft someone stupid like Rui Hachimura oh, or Darius Garland or or uh, Jackson Hayes like from Rui Texas, Hachimura, though. I'll, 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 I'll lose my crap. Really I don't know for the NBA game though. He doesn't have a three-point shot. He's only six foot eight. I mean, Rui Hachimura is going to be. What is he going to be? A glorified Paul Millsap without the three-point shot. Yeah, but you want to know a lot of these guys still need to develop shots. It doesn't. Oh, like, agreed. Like you're not agreed. Like your knock on Zion is valid. He doesn't have a shot right now. Whatsoever. Because he can't develop one. A hundred percent. Right. But again, right. he me, has to put one. He has to show me he's going to put in the work to do it. Right. If like like if I see videos this summer, or if if I'm doing research and I'm reading that he's taking two thousand jump jump shots a day, not set shots, but jump shots a day off the dribble and stuff. I, I'm still not going to change my tune until, until I see right. it. In it's, an more NBA game. Right. it's more about and the accuracy. And I don't even want to. I don't even want to hear people talk about uh, the NBA summer league because Zion Williamson is still in the NBA summer league, going to be going up against kids. Okay. I want to wait till game one of the NBA season. That's what I want to wait for because 
Zion Williamson's going to get his dunks in the summer league. It's not even a question. All right? I need to see him in a regular season game. I need to see what he's going to do when he has to go up against the Paul Georges, when he has to go up against the Giannis Antetokounmpo's and all that stuff and the Kawhi Leonard's. I want to see how he's going to fare against them because everybody and their mother is putting uh, Zion Williamson, the next Michael Jordan, or the better than Michael Jordan that I'm reading. So it, it really hope, makes me I sick. I hope that he is because that would really be like the final stake in the heart of all New Yorkers, wouldn't it? It would make me sick. It would make me absolutely sick if he did I, I hope shot. he is the next Michael Jordan. It would just be so perfect that the guy that they really wanted got away from him, and then he went on to become, like, the greatest player in the NBA. That would make me so happy. Well, no, because it wouldn't make you happy because that would – then you're uh... – then the guy who's always wrong is going to be bragging, oh, look how right I was. So you have to keep the streak going, Jeff. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. The streak is still there because he was tweeting out pictures of Zion in a, in a Knicks jersey like it was a done deal. He's still a mush. <laughs> he, he, listen, Vinny Rubo is the mush. He's the mush of Suffolk He's the worst. I'm so happy he's so miserable. Like, this is, this is like my turn to turn around and gloat on him because all he did was tell me how he was jumping up and down and happy when he thought the Chiefs had beaten the Patriots and he's so active in hating anything Boston that this is so perfect. This is like the perfect karma for Vinny Rubo. Yeah, but you know what? But now he's taking it out on us, you know? <laughs> Listen, man, he's a Jets fan, dude. You guys have you, nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Oh, you know, you guys man. are Giants fans. Let him wallow <laughs> yes, in his Yes, the Giants have been a great run franchise for the last five years. Ugh. It's better than the new Cleveland Browns. It's true. Oh, yes, the Browns, the Browns until, again, the last two years have done it for 18 years. We get it. <laughs> right, but the Jets are the new Cleveland Browns. Look how dysfunctional that organization is. Yeah, that's true. But they, Jeff, just, they just fired a guy who ran their draft three weeks after he ran it. Yeah. And he and he had a pretty good draft too, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. He did. So the only thing they should have done is taken a receiver, but everything else was pretty good. Yeah. But Jeff, it's funny yeah, you said that because we are going to go to break and we're going to get into that when we come back. Do you want to stay on or are you going to get going? No, I'm going to get going. But I, you know, I just want to say hi to Vinny. I hope you're miserable. <laughs> right? I hope that you cried yourself to sleep tonight. <laughs> you know, oh, it's so perfect. He's so miserable. Oh. I said this to you earlier. This is all you're going to hear now is, you know, he was so high on Zion Williamson. It was such a done deal forever. Now all you're going to hear is how Vinny Rubo is going to talk about, you know, R.J. Barrett was really the one that made the Duke team go. So, like, he's going to be the better player. <laughs> no, he loves Zion too much. I don't think he would ever do that. <laughs> Dude, he's going to talk himself into it now. Right? It no, was, Zion's too much of his – Zion's like – remember where you were saying, like, Matthew Stafford was Errol's boyfriend like last year and stuff like that. That was Zion to Vinny. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever go away. Oh, I mean, he's going to have to, right? Because Zion just broke up with him. Uh, right? There's no marriage now. Zion called off the marriage. Oh, man. Right? Yeah, you're 100% right. But I stand by my Ty Lawson statement with you, Speedy. I want a whole spreadsheet on Vinny Rubo nonsense, and I'll All right. never mention it Sounds to you good. again. Sounds <laughs> good. The Jeff, statistical right, well, analysis enjoy. of the Jeff, mystery. Thanks, thanks for calling, bro. Good old Jeff from Tampa. Just checking in to see how uh, Vinny Rubo is faring right now, how he's living, which is obviously not very well. But uh, that's that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back from break, 
New York Jets talk and the abomination that's going on over there, and it makes me so, so happy to see. We're going to get into that when we come back at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio You, you, you are listening to the third and long show. And here's your host, Maddie Cabs. 631-676-2968 is the number to reach us here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We now have our second caller of the day. You guys know him as Snug the Cat. I know him as Snug the Cat. All the way from California, Snug the Cat. Snug, what's going on, buddy? Oh my goodness, Maddie. I had to call in today because I was so happy when I when I got up this morning and looked at Twitter. <laughs> I could not have been any happier. Vinny's mushery is so pure and unadulterated. If, if it was like cocaine, if you did a line, you'd die from it. It's that good. And uh, how he managed to mush both the Knicks and Zion Williamson at the same time, he managed to send Zion Williamson to the worst possible place in the biggest circus, it doesn't matter what they get, they're going to be terrible. They're, for whatever reason, New Orleans is cursed. Perhaps Vinny Rubo has been there or thought about going there or said their name once or twice. I don't know. But Zion Williamson is going to go to, like, basketball Siberia. And the Knicks didn't get the number one pick that he had penciled in. And I, I, I know you're not on Twitter, but you've got to have Speedy show you uh, Jeff's Twitter. Jeff, shout out to Jeff. That was a brilliant Twitter of Vinny on the couch. That was perfect. I wanted to take it a step further and say that I envisioned this morning Earl and Vinny sitting on the couch together, kind of holding each other and swaying a little gently, sobbing. There's a Zion Williamson cut out in the corner overlooking the whole sad affair. (laughs) So, anyway, shout out Mush. I don't know if you've managed to climb out of bed yet, but maybe take a shower and, you know, (laughs) See who your next victim's going to be. I hope they have ten stripes, but uh, I can't decide what you're going to do next. But I'm so happy for you. <laughs> well, snug. I I listen. I, I I appreciate the phone call, and I'm not. You're definitely staying on the phone. But you you've you've made me tear up today laughing at you. So uh, thank you much, for much, that. Much. Can we come up with a theme song for him? I want an intro play intro when he's on the show. You know what? Make <laughs> us the song and we'll play it for him. <laughs> I will have to figure out. I have no musical talent or ability, but maybe I can talk to uh, Miami Heat or something. I think Miami <laughs> <laughs> Heat. <laughs> oh, man. Steve can sing backup vocals. <laughs> but, yes, Vinny, Vinny Rubo is the mush, and there's no if ends, or buts about it. He really is the mush. Whatever you do, you go against him. Whatever he says, you go against him. And, you, and you'll win money or you'll do whatever. I know Vinny's like the poorest Bush I've ever met. Because, I mean, if, if, if he just gave out his information on the Internet, it wouldn't take long for people to figure out to bet the other way. He could actually make money. <laughs> he's, he's equally as bad as the best bettors are good. So if you just go the other way. <laughs> oh, Vinny, please, please say that Chris Sale sucks. Please say that he's forgotten how to pitch. Uh, he'll win Cy Young this year, starting out 0-5. That would be so great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're what right. what are you going to do to the Jets? I know you guys are going to talk about the Jets. Well, well, that, well that's what we're getting into now. And as soon as I read the, <laughs> the, the Jets talk this morning, 
uh, that Mike McCagnan has been relieved of his duties as the New York Jets general manager for literally no reason whatsoever. I just sent him LOL at the Jets. LOL at the New York Jets. And it's literally the most disgusting thing I've ever seen that the New York Jets would do because that's dysfunction at its finest right there because there was no reason for the New York Jets to let go Mike McCagnin for what he's done the past two or three years draft-wise for this team. Oh, my God. Adam Gase. Now, this is your head coach, okay? Adam Gase didn't like the fact that Mike McCagnin went out and spent money on a running back, arguably a top one or two running back in the league when he's healthy and he plays, okay? He didn't want to overpay for a running back. Now, Keep in mind, uh, Le'Veon Bell wanted to be paid like a wide receiver. He got less money going to the Jets than he did when he was with the Steelers, than what he commanded. I think he's like the number four, fifth best paid running back in the league. Which proved, I think, he wanted to Pittsburgh more than pay. How did you overpay for Le'Veon Bell? Answer me that, Adam Gase. How did you overpay for Le'Veon Bell when he's the fourth or fifth highest paid running back in the league, let alone the probably the best running back in the league? Because I still think he's better than Todd Gurley. I still think he's better than Alvin Kamara. I still think he's better than Kareem Hunt and all these other idiots out there, okay? Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in the league in my eyes. And you're going to sit there and you say you overpaid for him? That's why you and Mike McCagnin got in a little tiff and Chris Johnson? Because Chris Johnson and Mike McCagnin are your bosses and they're the GMs? But no! No! Woody Johnson said, you know what? Adam Gase, I'm going to give you all the power in the world. You're my head coach. But now, I'm going to fire my head of scouting or head of coordinator, whatever he is, and my general manager to my football team, And I'm going to make you the general manager of the football team because you've showed so much in the years that you've been in the NFL, being a head coach at the Miami Dolphins, being the quarterback's coach for Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. You've shown such great value that not only are you a great, great head coach, but you know what? You're going to be a great GM too. What a crock of shit. Woody Johnson should be embarrassed. That you just made Adam Gase your general manager. He should be embarrassed that he even made him his head coach, let alone his general manager. Mike McCarthy should be the head coach of the New York Jets right now. But no, you hired Adam Gase. That's who you hired. And now you gave him so much power, you made him the general manager. That makes no sense whatso-freaking-ever to me. Oh, come on. This is vintage Jets, right? They take two steps in the right direction. they got to go three steps back. They actually – I was concerned this year that they might actually have some sort of a team or they might move forward. Well, Adam Gase but, had this trouble with stars in Miami too. And while he has had some good years as a offensive mind and he's had some good years uh, as a head coach too, it's kind of weird that he doesn't seem to value these higher-end skill players – yeah, had the same problem with Jay Ajayi. Yeah, the same problem with Jarvis Landry. Obviously, they got traded, and they got traded kind of cheap, really. The Dolphins got not much back for that at all. And now he's doing the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. It's a weird kind of thing. And again, even if his system is good in some instances, which it has been. It was, very, it was good in some years with Chicago. It was good in some years, obviously, with Miami. And you're looking at a case where 
it's kind of weird that he's going to He has a losing record as a head coach. De- devalu- he, oh, God, this really makes well, me sick. Well, he coaches sick. the Dolphins. That's I don't give a crap. No playoff wins, losing records, and now Adam Gase is going to be in command of the New York Jets? It, it, Get it the se- hell yeah, out of here. Seems sh- How is everything okay in the Jets' world? How? It seems weird that he's devaluing that much of a star, of a star player like that. Even if he drops off a little off, off the year off, it's going to be one year out of four. It, 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 well, he, go ahead. He strikes me as you know, with these sort of issues, perhaps he's a college coach in NFL coaches' clothing, so to speak. If you have continual uh, run-ins with your stars, that tends to make you think that there's an ego issue somewhere. And he's clearly got some insecurity if he's getting upper management fired. All right, it's kind of weird so, that, but it's kind of weird he's devaluing these stars like that. It's like that's what I'm there saying. are certain it's, coaches it's, that have that power. Like obviously, you have if you have a good track record, if you're one of these like top five coaches, and you feel like you could let a guy go and just draft well and replace him. There are always certain coaches that have that power, and obviously Adam Gase, being he hasn't been that good of a head coach, he's been very average, is one of them. Well, if he was Bill Belichick and he had a record, uh, you know... You but that's my point. Right. The New York Jets let Mike McCagden go out and draft this season, okay? They, 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 they let him spend more than $125 million in free agency this season. They let him run the 2019 NFL draft. Which got them Quinn and Williams. And then you're going to go out and fire him? Because Adam freaking Gase and him got in a tiff over Le'Veon Bell. Don't you, don't people know in order to win the NFL Super Bowl, okay, the championship, you need to have some sort of a running game unless your name is Tom Brady. And even then, Tom Brady this past year has had a great running game. Had a fantastic running game with Sonny Michelle. You need a running game to win games. And you see it more and more nowadays. You need a running game. If you don't have a running game, you're 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 pointless. You're worthless. Well, yeah, you have to have whether it's one guy or whether it's two guys, you at least have run blocking. And this is like coming that. from the same guy, Chris Johnson, who said in the March annual NFL NFL owners meetings that Mike McCagnon has do, been doing a terrific job, and I believe in what he's doing. And then this morning, he fired him. This is amateur hour in Florham Park, New Jersey. This makes no sense whatsoever. And, 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 and I'm reading everybody, oh, McCagnon stunk, stunk, McCagnon stunk, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he didn't do anything. If anything, he made your team better. He's had a very, very good two, three years draft class. Very, very good. He picked your quarterback of the future. He picked a, arguably the best player in this year's NFL draft in Quinn and Williams. You went out and got a future running back who is only 28 years old. Or is he 26? What is Le'Veon Bell? He's 27. Look, look that up. 27. 27? Le'Veon Bell is 27 years old, so he still has a good four years left. Okay? C.J. Mosley, who's a very good linebacker, he was very good for the Ravens. Maybe did you overpay a slight, a smidge? Maybe. Yeah, but you have the money. But, well. but exactly, you have the money. Where else do you have it? You still have money to spend if you wanted to. But no, Mike McCagnin gets fired. This whole thing is a dumpster fire in 
New York Jets camp, and it's disgusting to even watch and see. I, I, I can't even believe that this came up on my news feed and I've been reading about this. It so makes it no like sense. You need, to come up, you need a new name for the Jets. We, just like the, uh, the, the garbage from Queens that we no longer speak of, what could we call the Jets? Oh, because Adam Gase is a friend of Peyton Manning, too. Also, I forgot to say that. My bad. Oh, yeah. He was my, bad, my bad. Coordinator. That makes him credible, right? My, yeah, my bad. I, 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 I forgot to mention that. That it, 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 he's a friend of Peyton Manning, so that that goes a long way too. It doesn't make any sense to me why Mike McCagnan was fired, and then and then it, even to rub the salt in the wound, they go make him the general manager of the team, general freaking manager. It's it, it it doesn't make any sense. What do you think about it, Snug? I'm curious. After that. After that, that the uh, the media day when he first got hired, I don't see how they couldn't just bury that guy in the back room and just tell him to be quiet. Uh, I think that the Jets clearly they have some serious management issues because why would it come out now that Le'Veon Bell's signing was such a big problem when it was several months ago? I mean, it was, it's not like it happened last week. And I mean, has the tiff continued that long over signing somebody who? Had a year off. He's got the freshest legs of any of the running backs you mentioned. He hasn't been beating anyone. He hasn't. He's not going to jail for anything. He's not injured like Todd Gurley is, which they're you know apparently pretty serious consideration. Yeah, that's a big injury. So I mean, you you, you could arguably I think it'd be reasonable to say he might be the best running back in the league right now, prepared to have the best possible season he could have. He is possible. the best running back. I already think he's better scale, than Todd Gurley. He didn't even play this season. Skill wise, skill wise, he is. It's just a matter of again how he's going to do after a year off because that does take a toll on your body in a way too, just because you're not used to being hit as well. Yeah, but I think that that's uh, something that's easier to overcome. Right. Even if he's a little off this year, he's still very talented and worth the contract. Again, the contract wasn't big enough for his skill level, and it really showed more that he wanted to just get out of Pittsburgh more than really be the highest-paid guy like he was originally. It's not a bad contract at all. And, again, Adam Gase taking over this GM role in a role that really he doesn't deserve because, again, he hasn't done it as a head coach yet. He had one winning season with Miami. They made the playoffs, and then he got blown out in them. That's really all he has right now, and he's had some decent years as an offensive coordinator. Now, again, he's not an awful coach by any stretch. Yes, he is. But he's not, he's not, a, GM, he's not a GM-deserving coach. No. He doesn't deserve to get all that power. What has he done in the NFL that makes him go and be the, the power-hungry guy that he apparently is, okay, be the general manager of a football team? Honestly, what may, what, why does he get to be the general manager of the New York Jets? Why? Well, what what is the reasoning? If you know that Le'Veon Bell is a diva, right? He's very sensitive. He's a snowflake. And I'm going to guess that McCagnan probably is the one who sold him on coming to New York, right? It probably wasn't Adam Gase that was the compelling factor. Where is Le'Veon Bell's head in all this? Because are you going to have Pittsburgh revisited? No, I don't think Pittsburgh is ever going to touch him again. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying a similar scenario where he's unhappy and all of a sudden he doesn't want to play. No, he, I think he wanted yeah. just to get out of Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh front office has been old school stingy for quite a while. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is he has another reason to be unhappy, and we know that he's a diva, and we know that he he, he is overly sensitive as compared with many of his peers. I mean, the dude sat out a year out of professional football. Well, yeah, of course. We're not saying he's not. So, I'm just, we're just saying that the the way the contract ended up, it looks like while he did want to get paid originally like that, it looks like that's showing that it was more the Steelers' problem than the market, I guess. I know, but what I'm saying is there's something in the management that made him unhappy. So it would be like, Speedy, if, if I hired you tomorrow right, to come work for my company, okay. and then I get fired next week, I'm not the manager that hired you isn't there now. You're going to have oh, to okay. All right. probably quite a few of them, right? All right. Because it's not the scenario you signed up for. Now I'm gone, and you don't know. You might end up with a, a mush like Vinnie Rubo for a boss or something. <laughs> So, you know, or someone to scream at you every day like Earl Marks. So I'm just saying, you know, that's the same thing with him. Now that his landscape is changing, and Adam Gase does not seem to be a player's coach, and he's he seems to devalue, like you said, high high skill players. Right. Is this going to create a new issue? Not today, not tomorrow, but by week three, because you see some sort of weirdness happening. And again, Le'Veon Bell's upset. What I don't understand, what I don't understand is that why do the New York Jets give him so much power? Why? What has he done to deserve so much power? I just don't understand it. Can can anybody answer that to me? For me? Can anybody? Right now, because it's a negative experience kind of thing. I don't know if he deserves it for the instance. Now, again, that could have been the Miami front office also screwing up, too, because I always say they have the worst front office in football. I mean, the Giants are getting pretty close, but I'll still give it to the Dolphins. But you also wonder, too, yeah, does he deserve it? I really think there are only certain coaches that should have that kind of power. Obviously, Bill Belichick being the best, uh, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, John Harbaugh, guys like that, even Pete Carroll. Guys like that deserve that kind of power because they draft well, they find these hidden gems. Adam Gase hasn't done that. Adam Gase had his best year as an offensive coordinator with the Bears in 2013, and then he had one good year with the Dolphins as a head coach. Now, does that credentials go for power? No. Now, granted, he did very well this year with what a lot of people thought was the worst roster in football with the Dolphins, but still, that doesn't mean he should be having a GM power like this right away. Sometimes these coaches just trust their system too much where they just try to find all these hidden gems, and if your system work is going to work with one guy that's like of lesser value, it should be able to work with a star. Like, it just doesn't make sense, especially somebody who's not being overpaid. Are the Jets being cheap? Do they just not want to pay two salaries? No. It has no. nothing to do with the I, Jets. I, I it's, this, it is, this is Adam Gase's ego. It, yeah, it, it, this, whole, it, this whole thing is just asinine. Is the, the New York Jets organization, and I quote from ESPN, the Jets are a mess, a bumbling organization that makes the New York Knicks look like the pillars of stability. It's no wonder they haven't they haven't reached a Super Bowl in fifty years. God, I love that quote. I love it. I love it. The most concerning things I've heard about the Jets recently is they actually hired a consulting firm. Um, I think it was Rubo and Marx or something like that. (laughs) And apparently, this firm, you know, promised the world and uh, just didn't deliver. They've been making some bad choices, so they're difficult to get on the phone and. I guess they've got Andre Roberson as their. So, Snug, let me ask you this. Put in order of your favorite favorite people. I'm going to give you three. Vinny okay. Rubo, Earl Marks, 
and the beef. Uh, so are we doing a, a, a murder, love, and marry? <laughs> yeah, actually. Yep. Oh, God. I've got to murder one, love one, and marry one. Yep. <sighs> I would have to murder the beef. Murder the beef. Um, I would have to love Vinny Rubo <laughs> because it would make him so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I would have to marry Earl Marks because I could, could mess with him every day. On that on that note, Snug, I'm going to let you go because we have to go to break. So I thoroughly enjoyed that one, Snug. Thank you Thank very you, much. Thank you, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. And may the mushery go for another <laughs> thousand years. Thanks, Snug. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Snug the Cat. But now we are going to go to a quick break. And when we do come back from break, Major League Baseball here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You, you, you are listening to the Third and Long Show. And here's your host, Maddie Cabs. 631-676-2968 is the number to reach us here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is Maddie Caps along with Mr. Speedy PD here. And Speedy, we're going to get into a little bit of Major League Baseball now. And I do want to start off this segment with opening up with... You guessed it, the garbage from Queens. Okay, you look at the garbage from Queens right now. Um, they won the World Series back in April. For anyone who cared enough to know that the garbage yeah, one from Queens game over won 500, it, but okay, uh, uh, won the World Series back in the first three weeks of the season. Um, they're 500 right now, 20 and 20, second place in the National League East. Uh, they're three and a half games back of the Phillies. But you look at this garbage from Queens team. They don't look like the same team from last year, pitching-wise. And Noah Syndergaard looks like a shadow of himself, along with Jacob deGrom. And don't get me wrong, we never expected Jacob deGrom to have the same uh, same impact that he had last year, because his, his season last year was remarkable. Nobody expected him to have the same impact that he had this season. But he just doesn't quite look like Jacob deGrom of old. And I'm curious on, on your take on, on your team. I mean, you are a Garbage from Queens fan, so... I'm well, curious on your take. DeGrom, I think, has been obviously the expected letdown, but still playing well. Like, he's not going to be somebody that he did one certain thing. He's just a very good pitcher. Now, granted, his stats are rigged right now because he had one really awful start against the Twins, and then the start after, I think it was against St. Louis, another good offensive team. But again, DeGrom, I think, still has been more positive than negative for the most part. But again, of course, this, this historic season last year was not going to be duplicated again. It's very hard to do that kind of thing, and especially when you expected the kind of thing to just keep going and you're signed all this all this money that you, the, the, the Mets ended up giving you. So that's going to happen. Now, Cindergard is a problem I've, I, I've had for a while. He has great stuff, and I've loved his stuff from when he came in the league. He has five, five pitches. He has... Very hard breaking stuff. He has both four seam and two seam fastballs that he uses, and uh, so he definitely has the stuff. It's just a matter of him sequencing it. I've always said he has to be a better pitch sequencer and be able to not just go for the strikeout every time because there's a reason that he doesn't last in law as long in games as you're hoping. The other thing too is pitching like that the whole way could take a tear on, uh, take wear out your arm, take a toll on that arm, and that's why he's had some injury issues. He had. 
He missed the whole season in 2016. He had injury issues, obviously, last year. So you're looking at a case where he has to just do a better job of managing that a little more, and I think that'll help with pitch sequencing as a whole rather than try to get more first pitch outs. He had one start, a complete game shutout. I think it was against the, I want to say the Nationals a while ago, that he looked great in. Oh, no, it was against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. It was the game game after the game I went to. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the stuff I need to see from him, being able to mix up the strikeouts, still have the strikeout stuff, but being able to mix up some first pitch outs in there too so he can go longer in the game. Yeah, I mean, look, the fact, the fact of the matter is is they don't look, those two guys are obviously the epitome of the garbage from Queen's staff, and they don't look like themselves. And right now they're still sitting 500 in the National League East right now, which is Obviously not like they were last year because they won the World Series, I think, after May last year. What did they start, 14-2 and two last year? They started 14-2, and two, yeah. So, I mean, they still have a long way to go. The season is only a quarter over right now. Um, I firmly believe something's wrong with one or maybe both of them because there's no way. It, Noah Syndergaard is the one that I, I have my eye on the most is because he just doesn't look like himself. I mean, he pitched well the other night. Uh, what was it? Last night he pitched well against in in Washington. Yeah, in Washington he pitched well last night. They they won six to two. He had a he pitched very well. He had eight innings pitched, four mm-hmm. hits, uh, two earned runs, six Ks and stuff. His ERA is still kind of high at a four point seven four, but I look at it right now. They're twenty and twenty. Still a long way to go. Second in the NL East, only three and a half back of the Philadelphia Phillies. What is, what is your season outlook now for the rest of the season? Do you do you expect these guys to pick it up? Because let's be real here. Pete Alonso has been a gem for you guys. He he's he's kind of calmed down a little bit. He's only batting 270 now and whatnot, but he was on a tear for about a month. Right. Uh you look at everybody else, Rosario batting 285. He's having a very good season. Silent, but good season. Uh Conforto batting 275. That that that's always a positive thing for you. One of the best things I think the garbage from Queens did was go out go out and get that Edwin Diaz closer. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great move by uh, by the garbage from Queens uh, management and top brass to go out and get a closer like that. Uh, I still think Yuri's Familia need to needs to take the next uh, plane back to his home home country and not come back. Right, I didn't want to sign him. So yeah, yeah um, but still, ten year, uh, three three for thirty years, right? Uh, three for thirty. Yeah, three years, mm-hmm. ten million per year, thirty million, and uh, a traditional closer going in a new role. I didn't like it. <laughs> no, it, it and it's completely different. So, let me ask you this: You look at the rest of the season now. And obviously, they still have plenty of more games to go. Do you expect this pitching staff to pick it up a little bit going into now the the summer months, getting warmer here on Long Island in Queens and whatnot, not being as cold as much? Do you expect this pitching staff to keep it up? Because you look at their pitching staff again. I've always said it. If their pitching staff could stay healthy, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, it's interesting because the bullpen, I don't know if I still don't, necessarily trust them yet because the depth I don't think is there now again I like some of the signings they made I, I like that they brought in Justin Wilson but he hasn't been great yet uh, the 
Familia, I've mentioned many times, I thought was not a good fit. I wa- the guy I wanted was either to make a trade for Kyle Baraclaw, who's now on the Nationals, coincidentally. Who's or pitching very well for them, to be honest. After a rough, he had a rough first two weeks, and now he's actually pitching well. Or Kelvin Herrera was the free agent I wanted, who's pitching for the White Sox now. Those were guys I thought that would have fit Familia's role a little better. I think somebody like Lugo, I think, will pick it up. I think he'll be fine. He's a very versatile relief pitcher that I think can get used to uh, certain scenarios eventually. I also think, though, that the, just the team bullpen is still not very deep, where if the starters don't go the length, it's going to be very hard for them to be able to manage games like that. And again, the late-inning thing was what cost the Mets last year, too, where they were losing games kind of in not in the last, last inning a lot of the time, but in the sixth and the seventh and stuff like that if the starters didn't go there. So the depth, I still think, is a concern. In terms of the starters, again, it will depend on health. And again, it'll depend on sequencing. You don't, yeah, they're all power pitchers, with the exception of, obviously, Vargas, who's horrible. But they're all power pitchers. Wheeler's a power pitcher. Matt's is a power pitcher when he's healthy. Well, but, he's out on injury right now. Right. I'm just saying, like, that. that's the core you're looking at. And again, they just have to not pitch for the strikeout every time. They all have strikeout stuff, but that doesn't mean you have to do that. And if you have a team managed like that, it gives them tr- more trust for them to go longer in the game. And Cindergaard is the same way. Now he's starting to do it finally, which is good to see. But can he do it the whole season is another question. Because, again, he has an injury history as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, again, I don't like the garbage from Queens. They'll always be the little brother of the New York Yankees, the real New York team. But it, it, it's not so much I hate them. I just dislike their fans because they're the most annoying fans ever. I'm not speaking about you, Speedy, because you're more of a realist than uh, than than anything. But a, a lot of their fans, they, they think they win the World Series after April every single season because the garbage from Queens always get off to a hot start. And then Jacob deGrom didn't get off to that hard a start. He got, he got his first win against the Marlins in five starts, which is unbelievable for his stature being one of the top one two three pitchers in major league baseball to go five starts without a win is pretty pretty tough when when, when you're that kind of a pitcher but you, you, you now speedy away from the pitching aspect look at look at this lineup what do you think about this lineup with pete alonzo who's coming along who started off very hot for a rookie Came in smoking hot. Mm-hmm. Robinson Cano, who is finally starting to get his feet wet a little bit. He started off slow, got hot. He's now back to eh. You look at Rosario, Conforto, and whatnot. What do you think about this lineup? And what do you think some tweaks that could happen? Do you really think that Ioannis Cespedes could really change this lineup around when and if he comes back? Some games maybe, but I don't know about long term because he's just not. He hasn't played in a while. He's just not in game shape right now. And, again, he's really getting older to the to the point where it's tough to trust somebody like that coming back. The other veterans are going to be the keys. They're going to have to step up because the young players are doing it right now. Obviously, they're young players, so they're definitely going to have times where they're in a slump. And, again, it's just a matter of how long. It's just a matter of how drastic it is. And that's where the veterans are going to have to pick it up a little more. It's been Alonzo, McNeil, and... Uh, Rosario have really been the key guys for the Mets. And the question is, can they get it elsewhere in the lineup? Can Cano have some value? Can somebody in the veteran, one of the veteran outfielders or the platoon outfielders have some value? Uh, Somebody, again, whoever plays 
third base if it's not McNeil, somebody like JD Davis or Frazier, somebody like that can they step up. That's that just a matter of those little things. The veterans in this lineup are what I was worried about the most, more than the young players. Conforto is different because he's a little on the streaky side and has been on the streaky side, but he's powerful when he's on. So we'll see about that. The veterans are what I'm worried about because they've always been inconsistent and they always like these kinds of players and just seems like even if they're above average, they're just that and that's it. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. They are just an average team, and the pitching staff is really what takes them to the next level if they want to get there. They play, they play in one of the toughest divisions in baseball in the National League East. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves haven't found their footing yet. Uh, the Nationals are just a struggling right now, but they really haven't found their footing yet. The Braves even really haven't. Uh, the, Bra- the Braves, the Braves the will found. find it once they get other prospects up, though, too. But, but you look at the Phillies. The Phillies haven't really found it yet because Bryce Harper is on some sort of tear right now, striking out every other at-bat or something ridiculous like right, that. Right, but the Phillies He's also struggling. have a loaded enough lineup where other guys have picked them up. Of course. The problem with the Phillies is their bullpen, too. That's... Even though they signed some guys in the offseason, they still have a bullpen that's either poorly managed or guys have just struggled there. So that's more of their problem. The Braves, I think, will pick it up when they get other prospects up. They called one of their uh, outfield prospects up today. I forget his name, who's supposed to be very good. And they have a lot in their pitching. Uh, so they're more of a second-half team. They were more of a second-half team last year, too. So I expect them to be. They still have guys hitting right now, so they should be They should be fine. I'm not really worried about them. The Phillies, it's interesting, but they still have a loaded enough team. The Nationals are the ones that I thought they would be a little hungrier without Harper. And they've had some flashes from their young players, but no one else has played well. Yeah. So what do you think the outlook for the – before we step over to the big brother and the New York Yankees because they just had a big win today at home against the Orioles. Before we step over to the big brother, what is the season outlook right now for the Garbage from Queens? What do you want to see as a fan for the Garbage from Queens? Do you think it's, it's realistically possible for them to make the playoffs? It's possible. It's just hard with the National League being a little deeper. Originally, I thought that you were going to see two teams definitively from the division in the Braves playoffs. And Phillies. Now it, it, it's going to be a lot harder because there have been some overperformers in the NL West, and that's the division I thought the Dodgers would just run away with. But Arizona's hung tough. The Padres have Which hung tough. Which is shocking. Yeah, those two teams I think are really shocking at this point. The Central I expected to be this good. There, there could be two, maybe three teams out of the playoffs in that division. I think you're going to see that definitively. That's where it's going to be hard to squeeze out a wild card because I don't think they're going to be outlasting the Cardinals or the Brewers. So it's going to be very difficult for that. So it just makes it hard. It makes it more vital to win those division games because I think the easiest path is still going to be winning the division with the Phillies having a little bit of streakiness in them it might be easier to do that Atlanta maybe again they're trusting prospects to come up and maybe they don't pan out you don't know that yet maybe they have trouble right away so if that's the case you'd you'd have to hope they could just squeak out the division because when the Mets get into the playoffs they're not a they're a tough team to knock out because of their pitching they they just their problem is finishing the season usually most of their collapsed years are in the end of the season, 2007, 2008. Obviously, last year they had a really bad second half. Uh, uh, What was it? 2010, I think it was. They had a really bad second half. So there are certain years they have bad second half. Once they make the playoffs, they're a tough out, though. That's true. Well, enough from the, the garbage from Queens. Let's talk about the big brothers right now. 
just had a big win. They're 25 and 16, second in the NL AL East, and I think right now they're tied for first. If you want me to be honest with you, so they're not even really second anymore. I th- I think they're tied for first right now. Oh, I don't think Tampa's played yet. That's yeah. Why. Well, yeah, but you look at it right now. The New York Yankees aren't a healthy ball club. They're mm-hmm. getting there. They're not a healthy ball club. And the way that the New York Yankees are playing baseball right now, as a Yankee fan, I'm on cloud nine. I could not be happier to see them really competing and still winning games right now with everybody on the, on the, on the IL now. The DL. It's the DL. Disabled list. Get it through your head, snowflakes. It's the disabled list. <laughs> all right? But you see all these people on, on the DL right now, and they're still winning. Is this scare? Is this Yankee team that scary? It's deep. We knew that already. I always say they were the deepest team in the American you League. You didn't think guys like Gio Urshela? You probably never even heard of him. I or, knew who he was. He or was Mike, with the Indians. Or Mike Talkman would come in and do a job that was needed to be done. Yeah, it's they've scrapped guys together for sure. I'm I'm not denying that. Urshela was good last year for Cleveland down the stretch. They were He was one of the big reasons they had the big second half that they did. So I knew who he was, but yeah, he wasn't anything special of a player. Again, the park, I think, has helped them out to an extent with the home runs. But again, at the same time, they're battle-tested, which they need to be. This actually could be, I'm not going to say a blessing in disguise because a lot of them are long-term injuries, Severino and Duhar, guys like that. It's, those guys, you want to be able to hope they come back strong, but... The Yankees have found something else where they're not just talent-driven. They're they're now battle-tested. They're getting key hits. They're playing small ball when they need to. They're finding little little things they could do to win games. And that might be, in itself, mentally a blessing for these guys. And you just hope they could transfer that to when these guys do come back. I, I look at this New York Yankee team right now. As soon as they get everyone back, I feel like they're going to be one of the scariest team, if not the scariest team, in the Major League Baseball. They, uh... They just got rid of Jonathan Loziaga. He's going to a 60-day DL. And they picked up a guy by the name of Kendris Morales for a DH first baseman role. And, Speedy, I ask you this now because everybody knows how much I hate hate Greg Bird. <laughs> do you think this signals the end for Greg Bird? Or do you think the, the New York Yankees still really have faith in him and see something for Greg They're going to try him just to get some kind of trade value out of him because now they're tr- going to trust other guys off the bench a little more with the, the guys playing well right now. They're going to trust those guys, when the, obviously, when the Stars do come back as their role players. But they're going to play Bird, I think, just to get him some trade value. I don't know how if it'll work or not. That'll depend on him. But they're going to try that just to include him as a piece because the Yankees have a deep farm system for sure, but they're not going to want to trade all of it because they're going to want to, want to target multiple guys come time the trade deadline. They're going to try to keep driving up the price for starting pitching. They're going to drive up the price for, for depth in the rotation as well if they're looking if other guys continue to pitch well. And if he can supplement some trade value where they don't have to give away their pitching prospects, it might be a good thing for them. I think this is going to be – this is just an insurance policy because I don't think they have faith in Greg Bird anymore and they don't know when he's going to be coming back from – whatever injury he has now, even though I don't even want him back, trade him for a bag of baseballs for all I care, a couple of hot dogs. And he's not going to be the primary piece in any trade. I'm just saying he could be a piece where another team could still believe in him to the point where they might not have to give away one of their other pitching prospects. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting and keep an eye on the New York Yankees because, again, we don't know when Aaron Judge is coming back. 
I think Miguel Andahar is going to be done for the season. They're going to tell him to get surgery. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton should be back within the next month. Uh, Luis Severino, excuse me, won't be back till after the All-Star break. But if these guys start getting back and getting healthy, watch out for the New York Yankees. That's all I got to say. Watch out for the New York Yankees. Uh, they need Dellen Batances back in that bullpen because I don't trust anybody but Araldus Chapman right now, and that's shockingly because I never really trusted him to begin with because he's been very shaky for me. Uh, when the New York Yankees' best pitcher right now is Domingo Germán, that's how you know that they, that's a little bit of troubling for the New York Yankees. And yeah, Germán's been very good, though, too. Yeah, Herman has it's been not like Germán's been the best pitcher on the Yankees, and he's been average. He's been, he's been outstanding. He's been, stats-wise, a top-ten pitcher this year. He's been outstanding this year. So... I'm happy for that. I'm happy for CC Sabathia with the way he's pitching. Again, once everybody gets healthy, watch out for this team. But ladies and gentlemen, that's it for our show here at Third and Long with the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back. We won't be back on Monday because it is my birthday. So I'm taking a personal day on Monday. We will be back on Tuesday. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Vinny Rubo will be here, so we're going to see how, <laughs> how how he is feeling on Tuesday as, as we get into that and all that good stuff. So that's it for our show here. Everybody have a good weekend. This is it from the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.